shine on me. Thank you, guys and girls. Teresa. Good morning, Joseph. All right. Here we are. Remembrance Day weekend. I invite you to just notice your breathing. If you haven't today, we have Sandra Gibbs here holding the high watch, practitioner. Joseph Gabrielson, practitioner. If you'd like prayer support, feel guided to partner with them in consciousness. Please know that they are here in service to you, to our tribe, to our community. So I'm going to invite you to once again bring your awareness back to your heart and to your lungs. Notice your breath. It's helpful to enter into that quantum field, into that coherent field, and that field of connection if we slow our breathing down. And so if a count of four perhaps in and Releasing on a, on a count of four. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Just relaxing. We access that field when we relax. We prepare our physical body temple to make the journey. That 18 inch journey from the head to the heart. So if we can think of something that fills us with gratitude and joy. It's also a, a beautiful indicator and a beautiful pathway. So dropping into that, I invite you as we move into our silence to join me. If you become distracted by thoughts or ideas, just bring yourself back to your breath. It's the same air that we are breathing that the Buddha breathed that Jesus of Nazareth breathed. So let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. 
And so I invite you to know with me and allow my words to be your words in this moment. And if they don't fit, just let them wash over you. This is not an expectation. This is an invitation. This is not a demand. This is a welcome. And so what I invite you and I to know in this moment and open our hearts and move energetically into that quantum field, no body, no thing, nowhere, no time, no space. It is infinite in the shifting and changing, the transformation that takes place at the core of our being within our soul is timeless. And it radiates out both past and present. We change our past in this moment. Whatever has come, whatever trauma, disappointment, heartbreak, betrayal, whatever it may be, has come for us because our soul welcomed it so that we can grow in the resilience and the empowerment, empowered love, which is a fierce love, to understand that nothing and no thing and no one can diminish the truth of who we are. And we can do that grounded in the truth of our being. And so as we ground ourselves this day, let us know that as we just sang this song, there was enough love in this room with this group of people for the entire world that we are the practical mystics of the day to see beyond the effects and to know that wherever we are, that we are an ambassador of infinite possibility, of newness, of being midwives, giving birth to that which is longing to be expressed and hospicing that which no longer serves us. There's an intelligence within us, and when we speak those words and listen to those words and agree with those words, that is where the power is. It is done unto us as we believe. And so may I be guided this day in the most beautiful way, not just with my words, but energetically. May I continue to, to dip deeply into that unified field, that quantum coherent field of order, of peace, of joy, of infinite possibility, and may it be so brilliantly expressed through you and I that it is unmistakable and that we are shifted and changed in ways we cannot even imagine. So I give thanks, I release these words and invite you to say with me. And so it is. All righty. So we're here today and I've been, been looking at and sharing with you uh, perspectives around this idea of spiral dynamics. And so I'm gonna, I've been breaking, last week I did the, the beige, which is, uh, and I'll, I'll get things up on the screen here. But what I really want to do is impress upon you and, and, and to learn more. So what I'm learning, I'm sharing. And that's always been that way for me. Um, is that we are on the cusp of evolutionary transformation. We're on the cusp of evolutionary transformation. That the echo philosopher and spiritual activist, John Macy, called it the great turning. We're in the, we're in the midst of the great turning. You know, and that's why I'm so, I, I love the spiral dynamics model because I think it gives us perspective of history and of what is seeking to land. What are you reaching for? What are you reaching for? What is that, that life force that lives within you longing to welcome? And I don't think it's a question that we ever answer. But when we continue to live in the question, it's, a, it's an invitation, it's a welcome. When we, were in, when we were in John of God, a group of uh, uh, some of our members just got back from the John of God experience. One of the things that was so clear to me when I was there is that we have to, we are immersed in the smoke of spirit, but we have to invite. We have to be active in this and invite and then live in the eager expectancy that something is finding us. 
and, and to not let our, our expectations, our, 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 um, our demands, or our uh, disappointment because it's not showing up the way we want it or not fast enough or whatever it may be, to not let that get in the way, but to prepare ourselves for where, what wants to find us because we all have this beautiful, beautiful soul's blueprint that we can fulfill, and it's ongoing. It's not a final destination. It's not one final experience. It's evermore becoming, becoming, and becoming. And our minds are so beautiful so to have context of what's happening so that then we can quiet our minds in our spiritual practice and become more available to that which is seeking expression. That which is ours is uniquely to be part of and to, to give birth to that is so beautiful. So the great turning, the, to, the change from the past industrial growth perspective to a more life-sustaining society doesn't mean we get rid of all of our technology. It's just that we realize that we're here not only to, to get from point A to point B, but we're also, it's very, very important how we do that, how we use resources, how we interact with one another, our state of being. And so a life-sustaining worldview what if we, you and I are here to usher in this evolutionary change? What if that's why we came? We're here to usher in this evolutionary change. In order to do that and to build the wisdom and the capacity and the energy, we go through all of these disappointments. We go through, this is how our souls are shaped. This is how our, our resilience is built by disappointment, by heartbreak. Not, not just the joys. It's not all unicorns. Has anybody just always experienced unicorns and lollipops and merry-go-rounds your whole life? Hey, I like a good merry-go-round just like the next person. I get a little dizzy after a while, but I'll show you my granddaughter Audrey here in a moment. We we went on the merry-go-round at Storybook Land in London, Ontario. We had a great time. So throughout this series of uh, talks that I'm going to share with you over the next, and we did beige last week. So in Spiral Dynamics, it's all represented by color. And so I'll get it up on the screen to remind you. You don't need to understand spiral dynamics. You don't need to be an expert in spiral dynamics. But it's helpful to have this perspective, this worldview. So in spiral dynamics, they call, about a, they call it a meme, M-E-M-E. A meme is a worldview that permeates that particular era. So spiral dynamics is just a, a measurement of consciousness, of shifts and changes within the culture. So a meme is to culture what a cell is to an organism. We are made up of cells, you and I. And so our memes make up our cultural outlook, and there's a collective race consciousness or cultural conditioning because, because race doesn't have anything to do with ethnicity. It has to do with our, our cosmology. Dr. Holmes called it race consciousness. We're born into it. And so, and we're born into our families as well. So I'm going to talk a bit about that in a moment. So it's important, I think, to be aware of the de- developmental shifts, to see where, we, where they show up. And so... There's the, um, there we are. We'll get the screen up here, I think. Shine, there it is. So 250,000 years ago, beige was here. That was survival. We talked about survival last week. So how it relates to us is as infants, we need people. We are reliant upon people for our survival or we're not gonna make it. Uh, I I use the example of the drug addict. The drug addict's survival is the next fix. The, um, the hungry caveman was a survival thing. He got up every morning looking for food. He needed his next meal. He needed water and food. And so survival is, so how it relates, I'll get to in a moment. So I've got purple up there, which we're doing today, but I did a purple background thinking I was really clever, and you can't see it. But purple came along 50,000 years ago. Trust me, it's there. 
but came along 50,000 years ago. And we're going to talk about purple today. Red is next week. Blue is 5,000 years ago. That's up there too, but you can barely see it. So no more purple backgrounds. Orange was 300 years ago. We need orange. We need all of them. None of them are bad and wrong. We just have to be healthy in them. Then there's green 150 years ago. That's our tribe for the most part. Yellow showed up 50,000 years ago, and then there's turquoise. So yellow and turquoise are second tier. They are about ways of being. They're not ways of doing. So we're growing out of this, and we're still going to have doing going on. It's just that our beingness is going is to permeate the action. And that's what we're about here. So it takes time to uncover this. Whole cultures can take on a survival during wars and periods of natural disaster. I have a dear, dear ministry friend that, that, that's home started on fire down in Thousand Oaks last week, and she had to leave, and she's got damage and smoke damage. She didn't lose her whole house. But there are thousands of people. The entire city of Paradise, California, 27,000 homes, gone. It's gone. So when you're in that state, you're going to drop into survival because you need food. You need a place to sleep. You need everything you had. I mean, this is, a, this is a tremendous trauma and loss for people. And then, of course, in that same area, another gunman went in and shot 11, 12 people. And so this is a pattern that continues to repeat itself. And, and, and so this cultural change of giving birth to this um, uh, is happening. It's just not happening quick enough for most of us. But this is how we go into survival mode in, in the day and age we live in now. So in infancy, if our needs are not met, we might spend a lot of time and energy as adults on high alert or, or very needy just because we, we've never had that fulfilled as a child. And so how do we get that? And, and how do we fulfill that? And, and we know people like that. And may, perhaps you've had that experience and you're, you're growing out of that. So our perspective widens as we climb this ladder. So it's a ladder, this whole thing. Great metaphor for spiral dynamics. Rung, survival rung and the next rung up is, is the purple. The purple is tribal. So we go from individual to group. We got to find our tribe. It's important for us to have a tribe. So what happened when, for 250,000 250, years, for up till 50,000 years ago, so 200,000 years, you were pretty much on your own. I mean, there were probably people partnering to hunt and things. Who knows? But it was when tribalism became very, very prevalent. So people would band together because their survival was easier and more sustainable. And they started to plant crops in the, in the Fertile Crescent, which is around the Mediterranean, if you go back and look at history. And so from going from alone to banding together in a tribe, in, 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 in human development, it is a journey from infant to toddler. But what happens with each rung, as I show you here, is that as we include, so we're in a certain meme, we're in a certain cultural view. And so when we're in, in beige and all of a sudden we're going to step up on the next rung on the, on the ladder to the purple, we, we, in, we include, we transcend, and we improve. In other words, we take that with us. We don't discard it. Our, we learn how to survive, but also life becomes more than simply survival. It becomes about relationship, connecting, finding our tribe, and caring for one another in a different way. And so isn't it interesting how, you know, the infant is never in a hurry. You know, we blow this whole thing up. There's going to be a group of, of souls that incarnate somewhere else down the line and, and go through the whole process again. Who knows how many planets there are and realms there are where this is unfolding. But our opportunity is what's before us as humans and souls and spirits on, on this planet and waking up 
and understanding and being part of this. So if I'm going to midwife, I want to understand this better. So <clears throat> with purple, uh, well, first of all, with beige, the bumper sticker in beige, but they didn't have cars back then. But if they had a bumper sticker, it's I survive. And if you have I survive on a bumper sticker, good for you. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just that you're in the beige uh, meme right now. The next one up purple is I belong. We go from I survive to I belong. We've got a banner downstairs that the kids look at. It says everyone belongs here. All right, so with purple, it's ritual, it's shamanism, tribalism, it's magical thinking. A volcano erupts. We're in purple. A volcano erupts. What do we do? We throw a couple of virgins into the volcano to appease the gods. Aren't you glad we're not doing that anymore? So, magical thinking. The difference between magic and magical thinking. So, so beige is infancy, is what it says down there, and purple is toddler for our own development. So this toddler way of being. And so as you go back to this, you'll see there's beige, purple, you should be able to see it, but you can't, red, blue, orange, green, yellow, turquoise. And so we're going we're gonna to put a little marker on each one of those as we go through our own because it relates to our human development, our individual development as well as the spiral dynamic is how it relates to us. So I want to make it as simple and, and easy as possible because that's what I need. I need to understand it simply. And so with that, we go into this idea of understanding the difference between magic and magical thinking. Anybody ever gotten into magical thinking? I'm going to show you a little video. I'm going to set it up right now. I've asked Angela to not show the video because it's my granddaughter. She's three years old. She just turned three. It's Audrey, Audrey Elizabeth. And so we get this, this, this uh, uh, text from her mom. And it's Audrey coming into the kitchen, and she's got a little toy in her hand. And that's her Sky, which from Paw Patrol, there's a little character in Paw Patrol called Sky. And Sky's the little cute little girl that's part of this group of puppies that save people. They're always out doing good, right? They're out saving the world or saving the community or saving the kitties or whatever they're doing. It's a very sweet little story. I've seen them all. I've sat with Audrey for hours and hours. I've seen them all. We have them all memorized, which is part of that mindset too because it's comforting to know the ending as you watch it because it kind of just takes, it, you can relax in it. So anyway, but Audrey comes in and, and, I, and Bill's going to get the sound up right away and I've got it hooked up this time. I had to back it up and hook the sound up the first service. But she comes in and she's got Sky in her hand and she tells her mother that, that um, some things have happened, which I'll explain after you see it, but, but someone wants to take her Sky away. And, and, and so she has a discussion with her mother to tell her that she told these people no, they can't. And then her mother made it okay and, and you'll see the rest of it. And I'll talk a bit more about it after you've seen the, the video. So there's Audrey, that's Sky in her hands, coming into the kitchen to talk to mom about this very important issue of um, this, this experience of someone trying to take something away from her. All right, Audrey, go ahead. Tell Daddy, too. They can't play with my sky. I see that when they say sky, and they uh, took it from me. Who took Sky from you, honey? Mm. Mm. Big Minnie. Big Minnie took Sky. Huh. And then what did you say? It's mine. Yeah. And she said it's ours. 
Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. You came into the kitchen and you told me that you didn't want to share Sky with Mickey and Minnie. You don't have to, Audrey. That's her sister over on the right there peeking out to see what all the activity is about. So you may have caught a bit of that, but so Big Minnie, her, her stuffed Minnie Mouse, told her that she wanted Sky, and then Mickey and Minnie wanted to take Sky away from her. And so she told them, no, can't have, can't have them. And so it's a, such a beautiful example of how as children we just come up with these stories, this magical thinking. And, and, and so magical thinking is, we can do it as adults. Has anyone ever had a difficult situation where you're anticipating a conversation with someone and you're going to go in and talk to your boss, your coworker, your, your wife or husband, your partner, whatever it may be, and, and you have that conversation in your head a hundred times before you get there? It's called magical thinking. I mean, it takes really some groundedness and some consciousness not to go off into the speculation. I used to do that all the time when I was a building contractor. I would negotiate my price down on the way over to the job to give it to the person. Because I just didn't think that they would go for what I was offering. So I'd figure out what I could survive on, and then I would offer that. And then, of course, we'd negotiate down from there. So it was a magical uh, <laughs> and really productive um, uh, business strategy, which I don't recommend to anyone. But we can do that in our lives. We can think, we can have an experience and think that someone has said something or, or their intent. You know, taking on a projection, taking on something that's not ours because we haven't asked the questions. Do you really know? So magical thinking is, is, is part of blue. We throw the virgins into the volcano and then it appeases the gods. Audrey thinks that Big Minnie is going to take away Sky and she said, and so she's learning to set boundaries. As a little girl, she's learning to say, no, it's mine. You can't have it. And of course, they said, no, it's ours. And so her mother just said, you have permission to not share that with Mickey and Minnie. So she's practicing with her imaginary world because she probably senses as well she's got a younger sister that's coming along. And so rather than say, well, I'm not going to share everything with Julia, my sister, I, you know. So she just, she's on-ramping this capacity. So it's beautiful to watch this unfold, and as her grandfather, I'm, I'm delighted to watch it. But it is when I was putting this talk together, I said, there's Audrey with magical thinking. The other hand, on the other hand, is, and so with magical thinking, we can say, I'm going to wear my special underwear today, because every time I wear my special underwear, the Oilers win. That's magical thinking. You know, I never stop, you know, baseball players with the, the superstition, they never step on the white line as they leave the field, or whatever they do. You know, they've got a million of them. And, it, you know, it's done unto us as we believe. So if it's important for you to do that, do it. But there's no power in it. But tribalism, so they think it's the, you know, I was raised in that tribalism, the, the rosary was magical. The holy cards were important. You know, that's that ritual, that's that tribalism, that's the this, this sacred ritual that should be important. And what makes it important is the value that we give it, the energy we give it. But magic, on the other hand, is to be, enth is to be enthralled with life. Magic is a, st a starlit night, it's a sound of crickets, it's hearing the rain on the roof, it's seeing an amazing sunrise or sunset, it's the ocean. I was, I was on Vancouver Island all week at the Circle of Love, right on the ocean. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful because what the ocean does will put you into trance as you watch it. Bodies of water will put us into trance. It's lovely. Trance is a great place to be. Not France, trance. I haven't been to France yet. I'll let you know after I get there. But trance with a T. 
So listening to music, a feeling of awe comes from seeing the world from this worldview. It's a worldview. So healthy purple sees the magic in the world. Isn't it magical? I mean, when I watch Audrey, it's magical. You know, she just, her whole thing, and watching her sister, who was the preemie that was in the intensive care for 90 days, watching her, you know, find her way and grow and catch up. And, you know, it's magical. There's a, there's a beauty about that. So looking for and finding the magic in life, because we have to be careful what gets handed down to us in our family groups. Many, you know, many of you know the story of the, the woman that's preparing the ham for the Christmas dinner, and she cuts the ends of the ham off. And her daughter says, why do you do that? And she says, I don't know. My mom always used to do that. And so her mom called mom. Mom says, I don't know. Grandma used to always do that. So let's call grandma. And grandma says, well, great-grandma would be able to tell us because she's always done it. So they call great-grandma. And they say, why did you always cut the ends of the ham off on each end? And she said, because my pan was only so big. (laughs) So it gets passed down through generations because it was practical then, but then it becomes part of a ritual. My brother, uh, my brother John sent out an invitation for all family members to join him and his family for uh, Christmas dinner. And at the end of it, he said, and the, and the airing of grievances will commence right after the meal is finished. So, you know, that's, and he's being sarcastic, but, but that has been part of our family tradition. So um, I'm, I'm, I wish them well with that, and I will not be participating, but I'm sending them love. And it's not all that uncomfortable. He just... He's got quite a sense of humor. So if we do not have a sense of belonging at an early age, as an adult, we might feel like a misfit. Anybody here ever feel like a misfit? Yeah. So, you know, how do we find our tribe? How do we feel like we belong? And so if we don't get that, we'll find it some other way. So we must find our tribe. This is, this is what I'm about. So when I came in the doors of this spiritual tradition, Back in 1980, um, I thought, oh my gosh, there are people that actually think the way I think. I have found my, my spiritual tribe. I've found this tradition. It makes so much sense to me. Because you always feel like a, you know, you're a closet metaphysician until you realize there are other people that actually believe like you do. Because you don't want to share it because you'll look like, a, you know, like a, a crazy person. So that's that sense of kinship that you feel like you belong. And when you find something greater, when we connect in that, there's a sense of interbeing. There's a conversation. There's an exchange of energy that's available. So Thich Nhat Hanh said this. He's the uh, Vietnamese monk that has written some amazing books, and he has a a retreat center in France. But he wrote that the the next Buddha will be the Sangha. And the Sangha is the community. It's not a man or a woman. It's the community. And he's not the first avatar that I've come across in my journey that has expressed that. So when a group comes together of like-mindedness and creates a consciousness of compassion, coherence, harmony, peace, and belonging, it will change the world. So when we've rolled out our um, Q process here, Q process is really about cleaning up our own history so that it no longer runs us so that we bring mastery and awareness to it, so that the things that, tr- that trigger us no longer trigger us. Bless you, because we have an awareness now about why they've come into our lives. And we re-script it. I showed that video last week of Jason Silva, and he talks about when we re-script, and, and, and there's an emotional, so with the cue, it's really about owning it emotionally, to feel the shift. And, and this becomes our history. We're not stuck in that old story. 
We're bigger than our story. We're bigger than our past. And that takes time. And I, I think the cue is extraordinarily efficient, helping us with that. And if you haven't done it, it's okay. No pressure. Don't feel any pressure with all this. But it's our opportunity to wake up. And if you find some patterns and repetition in your life, it might help you. We're going to continue to teach it. When I was at the uh, uh, Circle of Love, I spoke about it at length. And, and I had a sign-up sheet there. And I said, anybody interested, um, sign up the sheet. We'll do one online. We'll do a class online. So there's like 15 people. For, there was only 30 people there that signed up. So we're going to find a date after the first year. We'll do it online. I want to I I share this and teach it because it has made such a significant difference in my own life. And so if I'm going to share, if we're, as a community, if we're going to give birth to this and we come together in this idea of compassion, this interconnectedness, compassion, coherence, which is the unified field, one life, that life is God, that life is spirit, it is, a, it is an energetic, harmony, peace, belonging. It will change the world. So when I was there, we had pa- some panels. We talked about what's going on in our communities. And there was a, it was a very interesting energy because there was, had been a lot of trauma that people had showed up with. My dear friend David Leonard, who had put together the Circle of Love 20 years ago, had had a heart attack six months earlier. And then Erica Luckett, and I'll show you the, an amazing video next week with Erica, uh, after her death, what appeared for them. And, and we, we captured it. It's remarkable. But Erica passed away, and she was one of the three and then David's, he has this beautiful dog he talks about in every talk, Speck. And Speck had, um, had developed cancer and they had to put him to sleep. So he was mourning when I got there. He was in a depleted state. And so when, when we show up like that, uh, and if we don't have the capacity to stand with one another, we can, it's very easy for us to slide into it out of empathy. All of a sudden we, we enable because it's the, they're depressed, I'll get depressed with them. I did this with my mother for years. My mother was always breaking down and crying. I mean, with 11 kids, can you blame her? But I would slide right in. She'd cry, so I would cry. Mom's sad, I'm sad. Now, that was my sense of loyalty to her. But so with David, I I showed up, and I I was able to stand with him and just say, it's going to be okay, man. We got it. Don't worry about it. And he'd say, just hold me. And I'd put my arm around him. And so I felt so blessed to be there and realize, you know what, I'm so glad that we've gotten better at not doing this as a ritual in our tribe because it doesn't take us anywhere productive. It's wonderful to have your heart cracked open, but I think it's got to take us somewhere. Give, us, give birth to something because if we get cracked open and then it diminishes us, what's the point? We just stay in the spin. But it will change the world. Evolutionary transformation is always about co-evolutionary transformation. The truth is we cannot get to heaven without taking other people with us. You want to get to heaven, you've got to take somebody else with you. You've got a partner. When you go down to John of God, these ladies know they've all been there. You go to John of God, there's, there's 600 to 1,000 people just loving God as they know love God. And they say, please keep your eyes closed because the current's more powerful. And these remarkable things happen. And as I said at, at uh, Circle of Love, you don't have to go to Abhijania to do this. You don't have to go to Brazil to do this. We can do it right here. So it was quite remarkable. And every time someone would bring up how we fix it, another good idea, how we fix community, I said it's not about, for me, it's no longer about fixing. It's not, no longer about one good idea. It's about creating the experience. Creating the direct experience and then taking that and giving birth to what is wanting to be given birth. And so the more compassionate we can be with ourselves, 
can be with others, the more love we can extend. So I was able to be there. I didn't have to fix anything. I just had to witness and, and, and look at people and say, it's okay, you got this. I'm with you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Carl Zimmer says that when you draw your genealogy with two lines from yourself to your parents and you go back 40 generations, so two lines of mom and dad and then to grandparents and then it goes back and back. If you go back 40 generations, that will equal uh, one trillion ancestors. And 40 generations ago, there weren't one trillion people on the planet. That's two and a half times more people than were on the planet at that time, which means we are all related. We're all related. We all come from the same genetic pool. Of that little hub in, in um, Africa that uh, they've tracked. So what I'd like you to do right now is look at somebody and say, hello, cousin. <laughs> hey, cuz, how you doing? Long time no see. So who is your tribe? Did you know that, that if you take the hand of someone who is in pain, the very act of taking their hand helps alleviate their pain? It just does. The nurses over here know that. There's Sharon nodding her head. It just does. It's called, in, they give this a term, interpersonal synchronization. I synchronize with your energy field. Experiences at a group are far more powerful than alone. That's why we gather like this. Because we're, we're, we're in this, this spiritual soup. This sanctuary is filled with the smoke of spirit because we've called it in in our prayers. And it's beautiful and it affects all of us. We affect, heart math will tell us, we affect another so our sense of how we affect one another depends on our sense of belonging. So I just pointed out to you when I went to Circle of Love, David, my friend David, my brother was in a diminished state of being. And so when he would say, hold me, I would just hold him and I would ground myself. I would do heart math silently. Open my heart and be present with him. Just love him up. Just love him up. We did this power of eight there. I did a workshop, power of eight. Everybody, eight people in each group. It took us an hour and 45 minutes. Everybody went in the center for 10 minutes. I thought we were going to blow the windows out of the room we were in by the time we got done. The energy was so beautiful. But for me, it's more impactful to do that than stand there for an hour and 45 minutes and tell them what, and throw more good ideas at them. I said, I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want to tell you about this. Let's go there. Let's go there. And so I was so grateful to have, have done enough of my own going there to be able to share it with others and say, this is what I can offer you. This is where I want to go. This is where I want to live. It was quite beautiful. So what is your tribe? Who is your tribe? So we have spirit groups here. We've developed these spirit groups. Little Lazar, we did a, a mini summit yesterday. And so what we know is that spirit groups <clears throat> can be so powerful. And our vision for this, because I've seen it work in other communities, is that when we get together in spirit groups, especially in, the, in Infinite Connection, which is what we encourage people to do the first one, because there's many modules, but Infinite Connections is such a gem because it begins with the five C's. And the five C's are up on the board there. They're communion, connection, compassion, community, and challenge. And so we have Lil Lazar. Lil's not here right now. She was here at the first service. But Lil is leading the charge on this for us, and she's doing an amazing job. And we're going to continue to do the 16 people showed up yesterday that wanted to be there and, and to know more. And we're, we want to develop more hosts. We want to be, be a community that is small groups. And so in those community, what happens is we come together and we ask these questions. What is your communion practice? How do you connect? 
So I'm doing a spirit group on Saturdays and I'm doing one with Laura on Mondays. And at those spirit groups, we've been using the power of eight. People come in, they ask for prayer work, they like support. We use the power of eight. We tap into the connection, the, the, the power of the swarm that we create together. And it's beautiful because we connect. Connect there, we get to know one another, spend time with one another, find out what people's dreams and struggles are and longings. And we don't judge, we're not fixing. We're there to support and say to people, thank you for sharing. I had no idea. I've got a small group on Saturday morning and, and get people get there when they can, but it has been so beautiful to hear people's stories and to, and to crack open in compassion and not feel like we've got to rush to make it better, but to just listen from that place of groundedness and compassion and love. So compassion is the next one. As we hear one another's story, we get to know one another. We fall in love. We can offer the fullness of our hearts. The community, so what we do as well, part of our, our, our coming together as a group is looking out in the greater community and finding out where we can help. In fact, if you know of any families for, that, that are struggling around Christmas time, things like that, let me know, because we're looking for, a, within our men's group, especially on Saturdays, we're looking for a way to, to help. And we want to, it has to be kinesthetic. It has to be, we have to move our bodies. It's not just about contributing money. There's got to be a kinesthetic piece to it, because that's so valuable giving part of who we are. And then challenge. So challenge in infinite connections is what's our next learning? How can I grow and deepen more spiritually? What's my next challenge? And so I'm, you know, what I'm noticing with myself, the circle of love was such a great experience for me because I'd, I did all, I've been doing all my own inner work around enabling and not picking stuff up that's not mine to pick up because I, I have a master's in that. And so I could stand in the chaos. There was another minister there. He was just clinically depressed. I told him, you got to get some help, man. you got to get some help. It's okay to ask for help. And, and so all this was going on, and I thought, wow, isn't it interesting how the sadness and the sorrow, because it is part of life. Brene Brown says in her lecture on gratitude, she said what, what's the difference between people that really thrive and those that struggle so much is gratitude. Because people that can step into gratitude even when the worst of the worst is going on, to find something you're grateful for, she said it immediately takes them out of that state of, of despair. Such a powerful tool. What are you grateful for? My car got me to my destination. I woke up today and I'm, I'm above ground. Awesome. I mean, whatever it may be, but to, to trigger that feeling tone within you. Because what happens is we call in all this other energy, these ideas and possibilities. It's beautiful. Never underestimate the power of kindness and welcome. Your kind word, your welcome, your welcome might just be a lifesaver for somebody. You never know. You never know. Ricky Lee Jones says, we never know when we're creating a memory. There was a high school football team in Texas and it was made up of these teenagers that had been incarcerated because they didn't behave well. And so they were put into an environment where they, were, where they were kept. And if they met some of the qualifications to be on the football team, their grades were up, their behaviors were appropriate, they could play on the football team. And so they, they had this traveling football team, but they never had a home field. They were always the visiting team. And they'd go play these big schools, and, and um, they'd go to the game and... One side of the field would be full of the fans and the cheerleaders going crazy, and the other side is this group of incarcerated teenagers and their coach. 
So one of the coaches said, you know, we got to switch this around. One of the coaches from the, one of the bigger schools. And so what he did is he recruited a group of parents to, to sit on that side of the field. And then he asked half the cheerleaders to go over there and cheer for those guys. And so the, the kids got there. They didn't know what was going on. I thought, oh, my gosh, man, there's so many people here to see this other team. They're sitting on our side of the field. And, they, and, and very shortly into the game, because the coach said, please be fully committed to cheering for these kids. And so the game started, and the cheerleaders are cheering for these guys, and the parents are screaming and hollering just like they're their own. And this one lady said, yeah, that's my little quarterback out there. You know, they just took ownership. And they cheered and cheered and hollered. Now, the the guys didn't win the game. But they went back to their dorms. They went back to where they were being kept. And they said so many of them just cried because they could feel the energy. They could feel the support. And not only were they changed, but the, the parents and the cheerleaders that cheered for them were changed too. You know, because we're all one. We're on one family. We connect with that. So their success is our success. Our love is their love and vice versa. When we get cracked open. And I thought, what a beautiful idea for this coach to do this. It's not just a game. It's about these relationships. It's about what's possible. We are all in the same tribe. We, you and I, have the privilege of being in a sacred space. You and I have the privilege of being in this sacred space and having a divine encounter with one another. Do you realize that we're having a divine encounter with one another right now? We relax, we open our hearts. When we open our hearts, we connect with one another. And it amplifies because God lives within each one of us, everywhere present. We are part of the oneness of life. The one life is living through all of us, one vibration living in the vast reservoir of inexhaustible electromagnetic energy. We are thinking centers in a divine mind, a loving intelligence, an intelligence that is loving. That's where I want to go. That's where I want you to go. And we can go there better when we've done our own cleanup, when we've developed such personal compassion and love for ourselves not from an egoic state, but from this grace, this sacredness. Connected to the same source, part of the, life, the web of life, what happens to one happens to us all. We co-evolve or we do not evolve at all. And so when we look at the things that are going on in the world and all the, the, the differentiating and the, the, the uh, combativeness of the political climate, <coughs> excuse me, things going on in, in various countries, How can we hold the high watch and observe it and discern it without letting us spin into it? In other words, how can we continue to love it despite it not representing us? So when I go into those conversations now where people are looking for my agreement about how bad so-and-so is or whatever it may be, I just share it. It That doesn't represent me. That behavior is not what I stand for because this is who I've come here to be. And I pull out my cue card because I know a lot of it. I've come here to live in freedom. I've come here to live in love, creativity, to be brilliant, to be generous. Generosity is not just financial. It's, It's spiritual. It's emotional. So spirit groups, there's a sign up sheet back there if you're interested. We got some amazing people. Next week is a potluck. I invite you if you can stay. It's wonderful. Steve does an amazing job. We set tables up and we just have a meal together. And I've asked some people to share their testimonials. Heard some stuff yesterday. It's so touching. So touching what's going on. It's just beautiful. 
And it's a way for us to get to know one another and to love one another. And if you've got a tribe like that already, good for you. This isn't the only way. This is just one way. But this has been missing for us for a long time. So it's beautiful. And I know many of you have been parts of spirit groups. So thank you for doing that, for opening your hearts and opening your homes. I'll leave you with this today. Ken Wilber wrote this. And Ken Wilber is an is a enlightened teacher on the planet right now. He's a remarkable guy, and he's good friends and collaborators with Dr. Gary Simmons, who's, who's doing our mission-centric ministry. So much of Wilbur's work is, is uh, seen here. So I'll read it to you. Simply think the highest thoughts you can. Feel the deepest love you're capable of. Reach up or down to the highest or deepest divinity you can experience. Treat others with the tenderness of kindness and the most caring of compassion that you possibly can and you will contribute to evolution itself. There's a roadmap. Where can you be kind even when people aren't being kind back? We gotta show up prayed up. We gotta show up grounded in understanding who we are to develop that resilience that we're not always looking for to be validated from out there somewhere because that will always disappoint. It's about our own validation living and, and moving in, diving into that quantum field more and more and more. The mystery, we don't have to know because something within us does know and all is well. And we can't progress another rung up the ladder until we love who we are, where we are. That's a paradox. So practice loving yourself this week. It's a beautiful thing. Whatever you feel called to do and be part of, and continue to do your own cleanup, your wake up, and your growing up. So God bless you. Thank you so much. So it is.